in the line of duty, a Fable SMP Vigilante Superhero AU. Chapter 1, An Auspicious Introduction. It wasn't supposed to go this far. It was supposed to be simple and under the radar. The patrol turned into a confrontation, a confrontation turned into a fight, and the fight had witnesses who called the pro-heroes. And now, Sherbert was running from a pro-hero while they were dealing with a bleeding head wound. The pro-heroes were the big guys. Fabricator, Ares, and Psyche were all insanely powerful. Most of them were trained from an early age to stand up for people who couldn't stand up for themselves. Only a few people were even allowed to become heroes, and those who were especially weren't powerless. And that was Sherbert's problem. They were powerless. It always felt like everyone around them had some type of quirk, ability, or power. There were categories, sure, but every ability was unique, like a snowflake. And then there was Sherbert, and people liked them, seemingly forgotten by fate. But that didn't mean they couldn't help. Far from it in this case. Sherbert! A voice shouted from their earpiece. There's a drainage pipe, 30 yards away, where you can lose Analyst. Sherbert slid down a chute and vaulted over a dumpster, trying to lose Analyst. If it weren't for Easton, Sherbert definitely wouldn't have gotten this far. But also, if it weren't for them, Sherbert wouldn't be being chased by the teleporting hero. Analyst was known for being a scientist when outside of hero work. He was always curious about the natural world, how powers worked, and what caused some people to be biologically powerless. But he also had a reputation for not pulling any punches and being a force to be reckoned with on the battlefield. He always made the most with his teleportation, and he used it in creative and impressive ways. However, in foot chases like this, not particularly useful. The lenses of Sherbert's purple and yellow goggles had droplets of water all over them from the evening's rain and puddles splashing as they ran. It's in front of you! Go! Easton yelled. Sherbert leapt for the opening. Nope! shouted a familiar voice behind them. Analyst grabbed Sherbert's purple and yellow hoodie and yanked them away from the pipe. The number five hero panted and leaned against a brick wall. Sherbert guessed there were limits to his teleportation. He brushed back a piece of his black hair, trying to get it back in its bun. He wore a sleeveless black shirt with elbow-length fingerless gloves, black pants, black boots, and a dark purple Phantom of the Opera-style mask with a green lens. Sherbert hit the ground with a splashy thud. Their hands went straight to their vest, where their potions were, making sure none broke. Thankfully, they weren't about to be stabbed with their own broken bottles. Bestie, you good? Easton asked. No, they said under their breath, chuckling slightly. Could you send in seven? They asked. Analysts here. Easton went radio silent for a moment. The sounds of headphones clattering on their desk, followed by rushed footsteps, let Sherbert know that seven was on their way. Wait, what? Easton's voice echoed over the intercom. Oh, crap! Something else is coming! Get out of there! Just as Easton finished their statement, a wall of vines erupted from the pipe and wrapped around Sherbert. They struggled and pulled as the figure controlling the vines emerged from the pipe. Now broken potion bottles might be a problem. A usually kind-looking woman with long red hair and a daisy flower crown emerged. Mambu, the plant hero. Her name was affectionately given to her by her fans before she had a chance to come up with a name for herself. She wore a full-length green shirt with black padded gloves, a brown corset belt, a belt with pouches that resembled leaves, black leggings, and comfortable brown work boots. Outside of being a hero, Mambu focused on environmentalism. They went in headfirst during several forest fires over the years to save wildlife and personally regrew a large proportion of the forests. 
She also did a lot for the city's environment that she lived in. She personally bought out buildings to make them into wildlife spaces and grew fruit trees in known homeless areas, to name a few examples. The number four hero waved her hands and more vines carried her and Sherbert up the side of the building and onto a roof, holding Sherbert over the edge. It would be a massive understatement to say Sherbert didn't have a little bit of a fan crush on her, but at the immediate moment, all they could think about was getting out of her vines and somehow not getting 110% broken by the fall. So, you're the infamous alchemist? Analyst asked. Infamous? Alchemist? Sherbert asked. Well, you haven't given us any kind of name, so Fabricator just came up with one, Mambu explained. Sherbert's heart skipped a beat, and they had to fight a smile. Fabricator, the number one hero, Fabricator, knew about them. And Mambu, the Mambu, was talking to them. Don't get distracted, Casanova. Seven's on their way, Easton joked. Sherbert's mind snapped back to reality, forming a plan as fast as possible. So, are you gonna say anything? Or are you just gonna sit there? Analyst questioned. Sherbert began struggling and twisting harder in Mambu's vines, subsequently causing the vines to squeeze them even tighter. I admire the commitment, but you're just gonna get hurt. Analyst commented, going into the voice he used on uncooperative civilians. Oh, come on! Sherbert shouted. It's not like you cared about that when I slipped running from you and nearly busted my head open! They shouted, as a drip of warm blood flowed over their goggles. Well, Analyst began, gesturing with his hands. And that's another thing, they added. They supposed a rageful tangent was a good staller while they waited for Seven, and a decent distraction, so hopefully neither of the heroes would notice them trying to break one of their potion bottles. Since when have you cared about the people down here? Oh sure, the supervillains are a big problem. But that won't stop the small things down here that impact people every single day. When they said that, a look of what appeared to be guilt washed over the heroes' faces, or what Sherbert could see of them. You're doing great. Seven's not far. Just keep talking, Easton added. Since we've started busting crime down here, the rate's gone so low you could see bedrock. We? Analyst asked. Me and other vigilantes. I don't know any, but we've all been doing our small part. They fibbed. It wasn't a total lie, but they didn't want to give away Easton and Seven. Look, kid, you're still part of that crime rate, too. As Analyst was talking, Sherbert heard a crack on their bandolier, followed by feeling the liquid of one of their potions seep into their body, the unpleasant feeling of glass poking their tactical vest. Now, we can still do this the easy way, or the hard way. It's your decision. Just as Analyst finished his statement, what looked like a Windsock 7 model robot charged into the alleyway below. Just in the nick of time, bud, Sherbert called, a smile stretching over their face, causing both the heroes to look into the alleyway below. Wonderful to meet you both. Sorry we got off on the wrong foot, but I gotta go. I have people to meet, villains to beat, and vines to rip out of. As they said that, they pressed hard on Mamu's vines, breaking them easily and falling to the ground. When the heroes looked at the falling vigilante, their eyes widened. Alchemist had broken a bottle of strength potion. The Windsock 7 assessed the situation. They engaged their thrusters, blasting towards the falling alchemist. They caught them and sped off as fast as their unarmored passenger could handle. The two of them weaved through back alleys, keeping as far away from the main roads as possible. Without warning, the Windsock Sedman flew through an open window and came to a screeching halt, his passenger flying off into a mound of pillows and blankets. By the state of the apartment, it was clear that this had happened before. Got him, the Windsock called. 
he began screwing off his head to reveal it was a helmet salvaged from the head of a Windsock 7. Buddy, we really need to take a look at your brakes, Sherbert said, taking a bottle of healing potion from their belt, downing it all in one gulp. Seven began taking off the rest of their robotic armor. Everything except their right arm was armor. Seven was only a bit shorter than Sherbert and had short silver hair. I'm gonna kill them. Both of them, I swear. Sherbert! Easton emerged from their room and rushed towards Sherbert to assess the damage. I swear, you'd think a mambu of all heroes would be the last to give someone broken freaking ribs. Jesus, do you have a concussion too? Sherbert, what's there to smile about? Easton asked. They know who I am, Sherbert breathed, a huge smile stretching from ear to ear. They call me Alchemist. So what I'm hearing is, we have nothing, Nethrim asked. The number two hero, Nethrim, a.k.a. Ares, stood at a table alongside the number one and number three heroes, Fable, a.k.a. Fabricator, and Endyrion, a.k.a. Psyche. Nethrim, the number two hero, was a mystery to many people. They were considerably tall. They wore a maroon mask that covered the lower half of their face, and their hero costume was akin to something you'd see at a renaissance fair, with a cream-colored blouse, a corset belt, a pair of comfortable black pants, and brown leather boots. Nethrim had the power of destruction, which boiled down to, in its simplest form, earthquakes and disintegration. Pretty much. Can't pin anything down on them. Specific power, gender, age... Nada. They're good at covering their tracks, I'll give them that, Fable commented. Fable was a taller-looking man, and looking at him, you wouldn't assume he was ranked number one out of all the heroes in the country. Streak. He had the ability to redirect the energy around him and conform it into solid matter to make pretty much anything. He wore a gold eye mask, practical boots, a gold single-shoulder cape, all with a gold and black protective suit. Unbelievable. Indirian sat at the table, rubbing her temples in annoyance. Indirian was an Enderman hybrid with long black hair. She wore a black circlet tiara and an ethereal-looking sheer black robe over her purple and black hero suit that she designed herself. Her suit was black, decorated with dark purple elements, and a thin dark purple cape. Indirian could read minds and conjure a material she called Endstone to make everything from walls to spikes. Well, here's what we do know, Fable stated, redirecting the conversation. Whoever they are, they're using a voice modifier. They use potions to make themselves stronger and gain abilities, so they probably have a network of vigilantes that they work with to get ingredients from, not to mention the Windsock 7 that caught them yesterday. Their sense of humor is... odd, so they're probably on the younger side. They have a flair for the dramatics and can make a pretty decent costume for themselves. Pretty different from nothing, Nethrim noted. It's not my fault I'm more observant than you, Fable quipped. Back to the issue at hand. Endurian redirected the conversation. The sheer fact that this person, whoever they are, who's probably powerless based on their use of potions, has avoided us for this long, is stupid and needs to be fixed. But is this a big enough problem for us? Nethrim asked, a presumed powerless vigilante. We have bigger issues. I'm just saying, Endurian stated with her hands raised, any vigilante activity needs to be halted as soon as it's discovered. We all know what happened last time we ignored it. An uncomfortable air lingered in the room of pro-heroes. Even with that being the case, I am going to outsource it, Fable stated. Strawberry can handle them. 
She's gotta be one of the strongest heroes we have who aren't in this room and aren't busy. If anyone can handle Alchemist, it's her. I'll make sure she keeps an eye on them. Strawberry opened the doors to her child's taekwondo studio to pick them up from practice. Oh, Miss Bine! The owner approached her, trying to spike up a conversation. It's nice to see you. Mind telling a guy what you're up to tonight? Not today, she said absentmindedly, watching her son practice. Strawberry watched with admiration as Jamie kicked the pads their instructor was holding up. Jamie was her adopted kid, who was a bear hybrid. It was sometimes hard to tell until you noticed that the bear ears on Jamie's head weren't a headband, and the unsettling size of their pupils. Their entire eyes were pitch black. Strawberry had two kids, although she hardly saw Easton anymore after they graduated high school. Jamie, however, decided to stick around during his post-education. Who's the new instructor? she asked, noticing the junior black belt the instructor wore. The instructor was tall, probably six foot, maybe a bit shorter. They had a thick brown hair that poorly concealed a bandage on their forehead. Upon further observation, Strawberry noticed their heterochromia. They had one yellow eye and one purple eye. Even weirder was the crimson birthmark on the right side of their face near their purple eye. The birthmark made it look like there was blood dripping from the instructor's eye. Sherbert, the under said absentmindedly. They've been a student here for a long time. A couple months ago, they applied for a coach position. Probably more qualified than me when I first got hired, I'll be honest. Yeah, probably more qualified than you now, Strawberry commented, eyeing the owner's red belt and Sherbert's junior black. Yeah, you're popping off, buddy. Try and get a little bit more of a workout between sessions. Don't stay behind a desk for too long, all right? Hey, up top. See you Monday, the instructor said, giving Jamie a high five. Good job, kiddo. I'll see you in the car, Strawberry said. Jamie flushed a shade of crimson. Their mom hadn't picked him up from classes in forever. Serves me right, Jamie thought. It's not my fault I'm a bad driver. As Jamie lamented, Sherbert approached Strawberry, their cheeks a vibrant shade of pink. Hey, Miss Pine, can I talk to you? Sherbert asked. Of course. It's Sherbert, right? She asked, eyeing the bandage on their forehead before quickly dropping it. Probably got kicked in the face by a student. Then again, a junior black belt? No, they could block a kick from a student. Yes, I'm... I'm sorry if this is weird... But could I take you out sometime? Sherbert asked. I know a nice boat place near here, and I don't know, I thought you might like it. Strawberry was floored. She hadn't been asked out on a date in ages. I... yeah. I think I'd like that, she replied with a smile. Okay, awesome, Sherbert replied with a grin. Does this Saturday work? They asked. Yeah. See you then, she said, before getting in the driver's seat of her car next to a very confused Jamie. Mom, did my instructor just ask you out on a date? Jamie asked. I'm... I'm not sure, hun. 